0: And this week, uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 90 and what we are told in God's word to us about time, how we're to view and how we're to steward our time, this incredibly precious gift from God. And so let me start by reading for us this morning, Psalm 90. Hear the word of the Lord. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight, are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are gone soon, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord, our God, be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is God's word. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the privilege to join together, come into your presence, Father, that we get to hold your word to us in our hands. And so we all come at the start of this new year with the same need, and that is to encounter the living God. So would you, by the power of your spirit, through your word, would you speak and would you give us hearts to receive and ears to hear your good news to us this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as we turn uh, the calendar to a new year, what often comes with a new year are New Year's resolutions. Now, maybe uh, your only resolution is to never again do 2020, and amen to that. Uh, But if you took stock of one year of your life that you just completed, and as a result, you would come up with things that you would hope or wish to look different in the coming year, It should tell us something that so many resolutions uh, that people come up with are so commonly concerned with time. All right, I resolve to wake up earlier so I can spend more time reading or more time exercising. I resolve to go to bed earlier. I resolve to spend less time on social media and to spend more time volunteering, spend less time with Netflix. And I would submit that the reason so many of our resolutions would center around our time is because time is life. But when we think of generosity, uh, the first thing that comes to our minds most often, I would imagine, is, is money. Right? What will uh, my generosity cost my checking account? Uh, but think for a moment, uh, for all of the ways that we, we constantly reference and speak about time. Right? How much time did you spend making that? Or how many hours have you spent on that game? Uh, How much time have you spent with that person? I hope it didn't cost you too much time to run by the store for me. Author John Parrott, in his book, Your Days Are Numbered, he writes that time is life, for it is within the confines of time that our life exists. And so you think of time as that precious, or time is life itself, If you think of it that way, that will either uh, probably lead you to feeling guilty or maybe even ashamed of how you're choosing to spend your time, uh, or it could leave you feeling pretty puffed up if you're thinking, man, I actually do pretty well stewarding and actually giving my time away. The parrot goes on to write, you might experience guilt because you can't measure up or self-righteousness because you're just going to try and do a bunch of stuff. For Jesus. And Psalm 90 is really this eternal perspective on time that all of us need this morning. If you are a Christian and your desire is to spend your days how your Creator God designed you to live, or if you were exploring Jesus this morning, this passage tells us about the incredible freedom that Jesus offers when we put our work in the finished work of Jesus that by putting our faith in the finished work of Jesus, what we do with the days we've been given, right, what we do with our time, that has already been redeemed. And and we see this to be true in Psalm 90, that our time has already been redeemed because God is God, number one, and we are not. And number two, by looking to God's work and not our own. So let's let's look first this morning at the psalmist's first point, and that is that God is God, and we are not. So the psalmist begins in verse 1 by affirming that God has been his people's dwelling place throughout all the generations, or quite literally, God has been his hiding place. And then he goes on for the next 11 verses, reflecting on just how beyond time that God actually is. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God, you are eternal. You are outside of time. A thousand years to you, God, is like one day that has already passed. There's a beauty and there's an awe and a yearning in the psalmist's words as he reflects on God's infiniteness, his eternality. And at the same time, there's also a hyper-awareness of the author's own finiteness. Right, listen to how he speaks about his own days, starting in verse five. He says of God, you sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream, like grass that's renewed in the morning. It it's withers. It's gone by the evening, just in the space of less than 24 hours, right here today and gone tomorrow. And so why do you think it is that the author begins his song praising God for being his hiding place? And we're told that the author of this psalm is Moses. And Moses would have been keenly aware of his utter dependence on God for every single breath that he took. Because for 40 years, Moses did not have a stable home with four walls and a roof over his head. For 40 years, Moses and the Israelites, they traveled in the wilderness, right? waiting, hoping, and longing to enter that land, the home that God had promised to them so they would have been trained to look for, to look to God for every single thing that they needed to live and to survive during that time and they would have also as a result been hyper aware of their mortality All right if God did not send them manna to eat every day they died All right if he didn't lead them to places where they would find water they died All right moses's longing for the help and the home that only someone who is outside of time can offer, right? For someone who doesn't grow weary like Moses grows weary, for someone who doesn't age, who isn't confined by time to amass uh, money, securities, whatever it is, to secure a home for themselves. And you can hear in verse 10 that actually time is not a natural thing at all. Verse 10 reads, the years of our life were 70, maybe 80, if you're fortunate, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're gone and then we fly away. But that doesn't really sound like the circle of life where we're just happy to kind of play our part for fertilizer for the next people to come after us. But Moses speaks of time, eventually something that we will, we will fly away from. And he's absolutely right because time is not natural. But time is actually the enemy. Time is actually the punishment Adam and Eve receive in their garden for their desire to be like God and their rejection of his good desires for them. And time is also the punishment that you and I are also struggling against today uh, for our same rebellion against the God who is from everlasting to everlasting. So if what the Bible calls sin had never entered the picture, right? If Adam and Eve, if they had obeyed God perfectly, they would have lived forever. They would have never had to die. They would have never been subject to time, right? But the consequence of their turning from God, the consequence uh, for how you and I, every every day, try to elevate ourselves to a point where we no longer need God, God gives Adam and Eve an hourglass, Not, you know, an actual hourglass, but he gives us time. We are born with a certain amount of time uh, or a certain amount of sand up top. And when it all reaches the bottom, there's absolutely no way to add more sand back to the top. The time is a direct result of our rejection of God. The great American poet who penned the words, time, why you punish me. And time, you ain't no friend of mine, right? Darius Rucker is a theologian who very well could have been inspired by Psalm 90. Who knows? But he feels that struggle that we all have against time, right? Of being limited by our aging and being limited by what we're able to accomplish with such a limited resource. Because the Bible tells us that every human is actually an eternal being. That we all have souls that will never die, but rather we will live in eternity either in God's presence if we acknowledge uh, that God is God and we are not and we receive Jesus or we will live apart from him for all eternity in what the Bible calls hell if we do not receive him during the time that we have on this earth. The life uh, that you and I are living at this moment is an interlude in eternity, it is incredibly brief, and every precious second of it was purchased for you at great cost to God Himself. Right, verse eleven: Who considers? Who, who pauses? Who stops and takes time to think about the reality that there is a God, and we are not Him. That this God creates, and His work, His work brings forth mountains, and His work brings forth beautiful things. And our work, verse 11, brings forth toil and trouble, right? God judges sin, verse 7, and we are sinful. This is what verse 11 is imploring us today to consider, that there is a God who is both fully loved and fully just. And because he's both, he gives us time, right? This incredibly lavish gift that also comes with a great toil and great trouble, he gives us 70, maybe 80 measurements of time. And we have to decide with the time given to us with our life. We have to decide what or who is really our dwelling place. And there are only two responses to that question of who or what are we going to make our dwelling place. Number one, you can decide that this life is all there is. All right. So live it to the fullest. Make it as homey as you possibly can. Or option two, during your allotted time on earth and for eternity to come, God is your dwelling place. And so maybe, maybe the reason that most of us live in LA is because LA is an awesome dwelling place, right? I mean, you can literally spend the morning surfing, the afternoon snow skiing, and for dinner, you can have the greatest Sichuan food in the world, either in Alhambra or Saint Gabriel, you can talk to me after the service, we can discuss. right? But we come and we stay in Los Angeles because you can live a very, very full life in this city. And if COVID has revealed anything to us, it's also that we can live incredibly full and yet incredibly empty lives at the very same time. All right, this, so this past summer, uh, it was amazing to witness the rallying of Americans around social justice causes protests all over the country people filling the streets people gathering to support their neighbor on such a large scale and yes good on humanity for taking the time and the energy to seek and to love and to care for your neighbor and to try to lift up the oppressed right and that was amazing to watch But all that it took for this incredible movement to slow down and eventually stop making news was the return of NFL football. As we slowly added back uh, professional and collegiate sports, as, as restaurants started to open back up for takeout food, the number of protests and marches decreased dramatically. Because we can live very full lives with our time, And they can be incredibly empty at the same time. Like sports and travel and food, they can be used for fellowship with others and to give praise and glory to our creator. But we can also be devoting our time, which is our lives, to things that are not lasting or that are not ultimate. We can care more about our team than we care about our neighbor. We can spend our life simply taking from our city without a second thought for our neighbor's well-being. Or we can spend our time making and building and securing our home. And it will either be undone by a virus or it will expire at the end of 70, 80 years, if you are very fortunate. But if God is God and we are not, then surely he has made another way for us. All right. If we can secure our lives on our own, if no matter how much time we devote to our joy, to our success, to our comfort, if there is an hourglass with the sands of our time slowly drifting to the bottom, if there's an expiration on all that we can amass with our time, is there another way? Is, is there something that is untouched by time that we can cling to? So after contemplating this, Moses's response, beginning in verse 12, is to pray, Lord, teach us to view our time, teach us to view our lives properly. Excuse me, teach us to view our time properly so that we would steward it well, that we would have a right perspective on time that we've been given so that so that we will have hearts that are wise, right? So we will have hearts that know what to do with our time. And so when you realize uh, that time is life, there is an urgency that comes right along with that. Just listen to some of the phrases in Moses's concluding prayer, where he cries out to God, teach, return, satisfy, make us glad. Let your work be shown. Let your favor come. Establish, establish our work, Right. Those are prayers to take an honest look at what Moses knows that he is capable of doing with his time compared to what God is capable of doing in and through Moses's life. Because God is God and Moses is not. Right. This is Moses looking to God's work and not to his own. All right. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. All right. 2020 was a hard year. And maybe you're here this morning to explore Christianity. And maybe you're just looking for just a little bit of hope in 2021. And so Moses, we don't know the exact circumstances that he wrote this in. But he is praying from a place of absolute desperation. His situation is dire and he needs help. In verse 13, he pleads, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. And he immediately follows up. Uh, with words that that spring from a wise heart that god has taught to number its days when he confesses regardless of my circumstances god if you satisfy me with your steadfast love then we will rejoice and be glad all our days as many days as you have afflicted us as many years as we have to see and to live through evil God, your love for me will satisfy absolutely everything that I'm trying to fix with my time. Everything I'm trying to fill that I think is missing in my life, a wise heart looks to what God has done, what he has given, what he has promised, and is satisfied with the overwhelming love that we find at the foot of the cross. Because the cross shows us, the cross proves to us just how much the God who created us loves us. This is why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, that you are not your own, but you were bought with a price. The time, the life that you have cost Jesus his life. There's an urgency to these words, right? Why do we all remember the words that Tom Hanks' character, Captain Miller, uh, says in Saving Private Ryan, Real quick, if you haven't had time over the past two decades to watch this, just mute your Zoom really quick because there's a spoiler coming. All right. You ready? All right. So why do we remember Tom Hanks' character, Captain Miller, uh, as he's, he's finished his mission, he's, he's dying, and he says to Private Ryan, earn this. Right? What, is, what does he mean as he's dying and he tells Private Ryan, earn this? He meant make this incredible sacrifice to save you, to give you life, make it mean something. Right? Make those li- all those lives that perished to save yours, make their sacrifice worth it. What Captain Miller is saying is number your days so that you will have a heart that is wise, right? that knows how to live a life worthy of that incredible gift that you have been given and it's been too long since I've seen the movie, but I think we see uh, Private Ryan later, maybe 70, 80, right? At the end of his life, he goes back to the beaches of Normandy or Omaha somewhere. But the look that you kind of see when the camera comes in close, you can almost see him thinking and wondering in his mind, did I earn it? Would my life stand up to the scrutiny Of the incredible sacrifice that all of those men made to give me life as they laid down theirs. And of course, that's a crushing expectation to have to live every single one of your days under. How does anyone ever live up to that kind of gift and that kind of sacrifice? Verse 16 God, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let your favor be upon us. We look to the work of God. We look to what he has done for us in the work of Christ Jesus. We receive his work as ours. We receive Jesus's life as our life. And it's only by receiving this gift, uh, this delight, that our God has in us because of the, light that he, the delight that he has in his son that will keep us from either living in guilt or shame for not perfectly using our time or falsely trusting in ourselves for how well we think we are stewarding our time and the life that we've been given. If you have put your trust in Jesus, then your time has already been redeemed because Jesus lived every second of his life perfectly, never wasting a second of it uh, with a murderous thought or a harsh word or a hurtful action because he lived that way. That's how he spent his time. He redeemed your thoughts. He redeemed your words and he redeemed your actions, right? Jesus, he didn't die simply to save you, but he died to redeem your life so that now if you are united to him by faith, God looks at you and sees Jesus's redeemed thoughts and his redeemed words and his redeemed actions. He sees Jesus. So have you received that kind of favor? Have you really received and allowed that steadfast love to be what you wake up to every morning? Is that the recorded message that you allow to play in your thoughts every day? Because we are promised in scripture that we will find Gladness. We will rejoice over this truth even in the midst of pain, right? even in the midst of verse 15, as many years as we see evil. All right, so, practically uh, today, do not miss the gift to be found in how drastically the pandemic has altered your life. I mentioned earlier things like sports, travel, food, right? All good things. But as these have been slowly stripped away over the past year to varying degrees, take some time to reflect on if any of these or any number of other activities have become vital to your happiness. If some of these things have become ultimate to you, maybe are there things that you used to run to or now have you found new things to run to when you are stressed or when you're upset? We all need hobbies and recreation, but use this season uh, to see if there's anything that you are using as an escape instead of using to draw you closer to God and closer to others. God is not a cosmic killjoy that doesn't want you to have and to enjoy these good things, but he is a father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. And so enjoy food and sports and travel for his glory, right? Remember his goodness and his favor towards you when you enjoy these things and when you share these things. to close, Moses ends up, uh, he ends his song in verse 17 by saying, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. But he doesn't specify what that work is. And there's a lot of freedom in that because we cannot improve on the work that Jesus Christ performed for us. On the cross, Jesus declared, it is finished. His finished work is perfect and you cannot improve on the work that he has so generously given to you. So you are free to rest with your time. You're free to work with your time to the glory of God you're empowered to to share this gift with others because there's no way now that you can mess it up, all right? But if we can use the time God has given us to enjoy uh, and to make much of him, we can use that because his work is finished. Let me thank him for that. Father God, we praise you for our time, for our life uh, that cost you so much. Father, you sent your son to redeem our time. And so we ask to receive that goodness, that favor that you now have on us when you look at us and when you look at our time because of how Jesus stewarded his. We ask this in his name, amen.